Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tube Show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. And what do I know? Well, in late 2018, I was diagnosed with oropharyngeal cancer, and I went on to have a third of my tongue removed, both tonsils, the tumour, 30 lymph nodes and 30 chemo radiotherapy sessions. I also had a peg tube feed for 15 months and ate nothing orally in that time. So thanks for listening. This is a lived experience and one that I think is better shared. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello, thank you for joining me. This is episode 39 of the No Feeding Tubes show and I'm your host Yvonne McLaren. Today I would like to discuss food mindset and are you setting yourself up for failure? Uh, Food mindset. Now there's three areas that I'm going to cover today. One is self-talk. The second thing is uh, resources to manage your food anxiety. And the third thing is communicating your needs to others. So that's what I'm going to touch on today. Uh, And I thought this was a really important topic because not only is it an area that I think affects everybody from um, the get-go, from day one, from the day you have been diagnosed and from the day your treatment starts and from the day your treatment finishes and if you're like me you're a few years down the track it's still relevant today. So I thought it was a really important topic to talk about food mindset and are you setting yourself up for failure. If you don't know me or you haven't um, subscribed to my newsletter on my channel, please do, because I've also got a Mind Food Body program, which I wrote uh, and designed for you to be able to do it online at your own pace. And that information is available on my website. And I also, every now and again, add little specials and savings and um, do little sales on it so that you can actually purchase that program at a much reduced rate and I do that once maybe twice a year so if you're subscribed you'll get first notification as to when those programs go on sale. So let's jump into it. Episode 39. Um, Mindset, self-talk. What do you say to yourself? And here's some of the things that I noticed I have done and have said to myself. Things like, oh, I know I can't eat that, so I won't try. Um, and quite nine times out of ten, I can't eat it, I'll be honest. But I have surprised myself on some occasions and I've tried something and I thought, oh, I don't know that I'm going to be able to eat that. Um, and I have been able to eat it. So it's just given me that little bit of confidence. So that's something that I would Always check in with yourself and think to yourself, am I telling myself I can't eat that or can I really not eat that? Um, The other thing I've caught myself saying is I'll never be able to. Um, Now, this just doesn't apply to my food life. This applies to quite a few things in my life. Oh, I'll never be able to do that. 
Well, you know what? I've stopped saying that and I've stopped using that sentence or that phrase in my life. There's a couple of things that I do. I never say I'm sorry when I've got nothing to be sorry for and I never say I'll never be able to dot, dot, dot. I've stopped using that word sorry unless I mean it and I've stopped saying to myself I'll never be able to. Um, Now, for me, that also applies to food, to travel, to anything that I'm doing now after head and neck cancer treatment. I have just stopped using that sentence, that phrase, that word. And um, what it does, it ensures that you're able to have an open mindset about trying things, about trying food, about doing different things that you know might be a bit more challenging for you as a result of having had head and neck cancer treatment. So self-talk is super-duper important. important. Um, Look, I've put this point under self-talk and what it is is the thinking or the thought process, there's no point in cooking because it's just for me. There's only me that's got to eat like this, so there's no point in cooking. I really discourage you from doing that, even if you live alone um, or you're just cooking for yourself and you're cooking something else for the rest of the family. I would really encourage you to always make sure that you are cooking a beautiful meal for yourself as well, even if it's just a pureed roasted vegetable with something on the sides that you might be able to manage as a transitional food. Don't ever think that it's just too much bother because I'm only cooking for me or I'm only cooking for one because I can guarantee what will happen. You will end up reaching for something else that um, isn't nourishing you or isn't giving you enough nutrients or isn't helping you heal or isn't giving you clarity of mind or the raft of things that could be happening. It could be, you know, things that are good fats that you're eating, um, trying to cut back on a bit of sugar. Don't ever think that it's too hard to cook and prepare a meal for one. It's not. You can freeze some of it if it's a meal that you're making that can be frozen, um, but don't ever think that. So self-talk is really important. I Just to recap, don't use the word I'll never be able to or I know I can't eat that or in my case, always using the word sorry. Cut that out of my, um, my um, repertoire of words because unless I really am sorry, I don't just use it uh, as a way to respond to people or things or situations. Um, you're not sorry. It's difficult. Yes, recognize it for what it is. Recognize the problem for what it is and catch yourself. Think about mindfully what self-talk you're saying to yourself because I can guarantee it will absolutely make a difference in the end in terms of what you're eating, how often you're eating and what you're preparing and cooking. The second thing I want to talk about um resources to manage what I call food anxiety. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I have real trouble swallowing tablets. And by tablets, I mean 
particularly those gel-filled capsules. And my naturopath is always giving me something to have to um, keep my blood work as good as it possibly can be. And I get quite anxious about taking them because I choke on them and I live on my own. So if I'm choking and there's no one here to bang me on the back, there's no one here to ring um, emergency number if I need it, uh, I'm very much on my own. And, you know, if you're choking and you can't breathe, um, (laughs) you're in a bit of trouble. So I get quite anxious about taking tablets So what I've learnt to do is I take them where possible, um, particularly if I only have to take them once a day. I take them the first thing I do when I wake up. I'm meant to have them with food, but sometimes that's not always possible Um, because I find in the morning just on awakening and just after I've done meditation for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I can knock my head to the side that I haven't had the treatment on and I can drink them and in a relaxed manner get those tablets down, um, followed with some water. But I find if I give it too much thought um, or I do it halfway through the day or I don't have food for it to go down with, I end up standing at the sink and coughing and choking and bringing that tablet up. So I've learnt to do it at the right time of the day. I've learnt to do it when I'm most relaxed. I've learnt to, and I look like a bit of a nung, a bit of an idiot. I'm jumping around on one leg and tipping my head to the side to make sure the tablet goes down, but it works for me. So that's when I do it. And I do it first thing in the morning when I haven't thought about too much or I haven't got too many other things on my mind or I'm not trying to work out um, you know, what, what content I'm going to create for the next day or what document I've got to write and get together for somebody to be able to utilise in something else or what chapter am I writing today. I do it when I'm um, clear of mind, when I'm relaxed uh, and obviously I do it where possible with food. Um, The other thing that's really beneficial for me is breathing and I know this was problematic for a lot of people who've had radiation and they have that mask that comes over their head. I had no problems with that mask uh, because I incorporated my yoga breathing, which I now know having done since then, for me, I've done nearly two years worth of meditation. So breathing, listening to my breathing, um, being very mindful about how I use my breath and how I use my breath um, potentially if I'm choking and I can feel something's gone down the wrong way. And it's quite difficult to override the natural body's reaction to that, which is (laughs) you cough, um, and quite rightly so, because the force of that cough will often get whatever's lodged out of your windpipe. But if you're in a situation where you need to just manage that Uh uh-oh, it's gone down the wrong way, being very relaxed and very mindful and managing your breath is super important and super helpful, I've found. Um, I'm not suggesting that's going to stop you choking, but I'm suggesting it can give you valuable seconds to think and go, you know, what am I doing? Talk to someone, ask someone for help. Um, It might just give you some valuable time. 
so yes, I find breath, breathing, mindfulness, um, you know, working out what appropriate times of the day to do certain things is really helpful. And the third thing I want to talk about today is communicating your needs to other people. Now, it's a bit different. This is a bit of a difficult topic for me to cover because I live on my own, so I don't have to deal with you know other people's meal times or um, anyone else's timetable. I'm very much self-managed and do my own thing for myself. But I think really what happens with us is we all end up in that boat because if you're living with other people in your family unit and you're cooking for them and you're eating with them, you kind of got to do it for yourself anyway because your food regime is quite different to theirs. So how you communicate what your food needs are to other people can be quite tricky, I think. And I know I've talked about this when friends ask you over for dinner and what can I make for you, what can I cook for you, how do you communicate what you need? Because I'm pretty sure that all of us know intuitively what we can and can't manage. Um, My whole purpose for being here is to make sure that not only are you aware intuitively what you can eat, but you've also motivated to stay connected to food and try different things if you've found yourself in the um, that's all too hard basket for me or I can't be bothered getting off my peg tube or I don't or can't be bothered cooking just for me because it's only me so I'll cook for everyone else and I'll just eat whatever I can get down you know That's why I'm here. I'm trying to ensure that you engage in being really respectful to yourself and mindful about what you're doing about your food journey and how you communicate that to others is by being honest, by being upfront and just saying to people, look, I've really struggled with this, this and this because, um, you know, I have difficulty swallowing. I have difficulty eating out in public. I'm anxious about choking. I'm not able to eat or drink that anymore. So that means it's limiting us to do this. You need to be really clear within yourself what you are prepared to do, what you're not prepared to do. Um, I just find it easier doing stuff on my own or um, with my very close family members or with very close uh, friends. Um, or a combination thereof. I tend not to do a lot of uh, social eating with people I don't know. However, I have been doing more and more of that because my work uh, dictates that I need to. And um, in that, I've had to learn new things myself. So it also helps me talk to you and deliver content and create content for you around how I tackle these things as they come along and challenge me. So communicating your food needs to others, um, you have to know what you're able to tackle. And I know I keep talking about this, but if you don't know where you are on the journey, on the pathway, and you don't know what textures of food are available to you, then it's very difficult for you to communicate that to someone else, be that your family, your friends or your medical team. 
Um, now, I know most of us have a medical team that have our best interests at heart, but I know from personal experience there is an awful lot of behind-the-scenes work that you can be doing to ensuring your food life is as good as it possibly can be. And by that, I mean cooking for yourself, trying different food textures, knowing how to transition off your pig tube back to oral eating, having an understanding of nutrition and what is nutritional and highly calorific, dense food. Knowing that and understanding that, is what I refer to by behind-the-scenes work that you can be doing that your medical team aren't necessarily going to help you with. So know where you are on your pathway. Know what it is that you're communicating to them. So if you're going to a dietitian's appointment, for example, if it was me, I would have um, written journals, with things that I've tried, things that haven't been successful, things that are successful, what a normal week of food eating looks like for me, whether that's a smoothie, um, pureed food, um, you know, you might be able to manage a bit of noodle here, a bit of pasta, uh, something soft, some soft fish, some baked vegetable, what sauces you've been incorporating into your food, uh, and writing those down so that you, because you'll forget, so that you know how to communicate that to your medical team and your friends and all your family. And it's a great reminder for yourself and date it. Put the date on everything that you write down and keep those exercise books or those journals. I read a great thing the other day. Um, this, this man, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he journaled everything that he'd done over a five-year period because he turned it into a book and I thought, wow, that's really clever. And he also took photos of himself. So he, when he decided he wanted to go back to look like this and he had a BMI of this and he had muscles that did that and he was eating this, he could go back to his journals and actually work out what he was eating because he'd written it down. I thought that was really clever. So I'm going to use the same kind of concepts to journal and record my food life, what I was eating and where I was eating it and what country I was in or what city I was in or what restaurant I was in or what food item was I eating that enabled me to eat um, anchovy or chilli or um, cream or pasta or meat or whatever it was that I was eating. What context was I eating that in and what did that look like for me? Excuse me. So that's episode 39, Food Mindset, and are you setting yourself up for failure? I hope you got something out of that. Um, And if you're not familiar with my Mind Food Body program, there's three that you can access, and they're all available on my website, evonmclaren.com, and that's McLaren with two Cs. So go and have a look, and... um, Hopefully you've got something out of today and it's motivated you to do something a little bit different or helped you to overcome some food anxiety. And I'm about to have a coughing fit, so I'm going to wrap this up and um, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the No Feeding Tube Show. Until then, everybody, 
continue to eat well. Keep pushing that boat out from the shore and keep experimenting. Okay, take care and be safe. Bye.